she's engaged to an Italian. week's episode of Whiskey and Mash. I am Chris Pullman. And I am Gloria Ackerman. And this week we'll be uh, discussing Season 8, Episode 15, Yes Sir, That's Our Baby, and Season 8, Episode... I didn't write it down. Uh, must be 16. Bottle yep. fatigue. <laughs> I think the and one turned into a B. Of course, Chris gives me the sad one to tell you about. You always and take he the gets first the one. one. I didn't I didn't take you can we can trade if you I, want. No, no, just, I'll take the sad one. Oh somebody's like I always martyr. do, poor mm. me. <laughs> Begins in the swamp with mm. a baby crying outside the door. This one is really sad. It's I I put this yeah. right up there with the saddest. Well okay. one of them. I Yeah. It, I, it, hits me right mm -hmm. in the heart sure and i think the interesting thing to me was the first person to wake up to the baby crying the father was yeah it was bj and he's like what, what does he even say he says like peg it's your turn to take care of the baby <laughs> yeah so what what goes on in this episode is basically just one theme and it is what do we do with the babies that our gis provide hmm provide uh, to the war mm -hmm. um where i guess every other it says france great britain every other one of them you know takes care of their children from the army but the united states does not mm -hmm. so basically that's what this episode is about what happens to the babies um our soldiers leave behind mm -hmm. when you have a korean mother and a and uh American baby. And you know, this is something that I really think that America as a nation has dealt with since its inception is this whole immigrant thing. I mean, the oh, um, the, the consulate yeah. <laughs> the consul uh, like the U.S. consulate a guy there talks about we have very strict immigration caps and the uh, American Naturalization Service has these caps and we can't exceed them so i'm sorry there's nothing we can do and it, but like, we're a free country that is a mixture our whole country is a little bit of everything not much of anything mm -hmm. <laughs> you uh, know i that's what i love our country i love the mix of of different nationalities different cultures it's what makes us us yeah no, I agree, and it's the melting pot myth of America. But myth, I, yeah, it is. Oh, it is because <laughs> anyway, that that's a different subject. Um, just if you look at American history, groups tend to self-segregate, so it's not really a melting pot. But yeah, you know, just like they point out to a lot of people in this episode, this is the child of an American GI and a Korean mother. Well, as far as I understand it, if one of your parents is American, you're a citizen by birth. That's what I thought, and mm -hmm. unless you're in the armed forces. So, I mean, that, yeah, they're treating this child differently it than if, here? like, an American 
uh, an American civilian. If it was on American land or the in the United States, it's then, a different situation mm-hmm. than when you're away. Yeah. But from what I understand and what they talked about here is this child will be tortured her whole life. Terrible things will be happening because she's mixed. Um, people in the orphanage will treat her badly. So they have one one option, and that's to give her to the monks who will keep her cloistered until she's... I, I didn't know if it said of age or until she's... Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, 15. Yeah, 15. I mean, how awful. But at least she won't be tortured mm-hmm. or abused. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, when Father Mulcahy saw her, he said, is she of mixed parentage? And everybody else didn't get it right away. Yeah, they're all like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Mm. Yeah, if you mean one of her parents was a father and one was a mother, then yes, she's of mixed parentage. <laughs> yeah. It... I mean, they went to the Red Cross. They went to the U.S. consulate. They went... They went everywhere trying to get this baby to the United States. Uh-huh. And it isn't happening. Um, you know, what the... Um, I wonder what nowadays the rules are with mm-hmm. this. I'm sure, I hope they have dealt with this a little more. I would hope. Uh, yeah, Major Ted Spector at, uh, like, HQ, I mean, he was saying, you fill this out if you had somebody willing to adopt. And your CO could turn it down. The con uh, the what was it like I Corps could turn it down. Battalion could turn it down. The Consulate General could turn it down. The Eighth Army could turn it down. And what did BJ say? Let's assume it gets all the way up to what did he say, MacArthur? Nice. Whoever. What yeah. have you know? Are we home free? No. Mm. There's no way that we could allow the child out of the country. This isn't an army matter. The thing is, everyone that they went to were very, I thought, cold. And maybe that was the point they were making. But, like, the Red Cross woman, you know, her eyes didn't, like, maybe they should have brought the baby along, you know, to say, look, this is a person. Because apparently they can't use their imaginations to see what a person is. You know, I, you know, on the flip side of that. I kind of looked at this, and I took their side of it. Really? And it's like, yeah, just looking at them going, if there was red tape, I mean, not not the major, he was a jackass. Yeah. <laughs> so was the console, to be honest. Um, most of them were. The, the Planning Korean, their party was much more important yeah, the, than this child. The Korean uh, guy wasn't, the, our, the Red Cross work I didn't think was, but they were dealing with, the bureaucracy that laid before them and they were being realistic. I can't do anything and there's no way that I can change something to help you. And they were being, you know, when I looked at it, it's like, I felt sorry for them because they couldn't do anything. Their hands were tied. They could not. But they didn't seem to care that they couldn't do anything. Oh, and that's why I say like the major and the console didn't. They didn't seem to care one iota. But like, you, you know, thought the, the Red Cross person did? Because I thought she was one of the colder ones. I thought... I don't know. I, I thought that she was better than the, the two American men. <laughs> because she did say, you know, I really wish that we could help. But we already have so much. 
that is our responsibility, that we can't take on anything that isn't. I'm terribly sorry. I wish we could do something, but we simply can't. But the Korean... Um, yeah, they said, well, even what if we're willing to adopt? And they said, Korean civil law is not our matter. Uh-huh. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. They're American GIs. And it just, it was, the striking thing about this was nobody, to me, it was that nobody was taking responsibility. Mm-mm. The Korean government couldn't. I get that. They had no resources. Um, and, you know, that's what that Korean, well, he wasn't technically Korean, but he played a Korean. Um, <laughs> we've seen him before. Uh guy from the government said, you know, like you brought up, all these other nations take care of the children that their uh, army leaves behind. America doesn't. We can't do anything. No. Nobody is willing to help the children. So anyway, what does end up happening to this child who is nameless because the mother... Then the mother who left the note, you just felt for her also. Mm-hmm. Her, her note, please, doctors, take care of this child. And you could clearly hear, yeah. I love her, you know. Yeah. She is good baby. baby. She is healthy baby. You know, what I have to offer her is probably bad. And yeah. So they end up sending her to a monastery, which mm. was... Just the weirdest thing. I wonder if it was truly yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. Like the monks did not want to see anyone they were dealing with. So you basically put the child in what I call a lazy Susan. Yes. You know, I would that, call it that you too. would put and then turn, you know, how mm-hmm. you would turn your food on a table. Except that it was it was enclosed. It was right. only open on one side. So you put the baby in, you turn it around and then it's you open on the other side. Yeah. Right. And then the baby is gone. So someone came and got the baby, and you never see what happens. You never hear. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, it, it was a very sad ending. It I'll was agree. a very sad ending. And then it they went into OR, and it was just a very <laughs> solemn surgery. Nobody's talking. And Hawkeye says, a piece of her will go home with each of us. Oh, my goodness. Why are you laughing? I'm sorry. I'm talking about how Solomon is and Chris know, is over here. I know, and I'm, I'm giggling. I'm sorry, because the the critique of the later seasons of MASH is that Alan Alda gets in like the driver's seat a lot more, and you start to get these much more maudlin, somber moments. And this He's, is just one no, of them. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, as soon as I saw that, it's like, I bet he directed this episode. In fact, Laura... Yeah. My daughter, Chris's wife, this is her first time watching math through with us. Yeah. Now, Chris and I yeah. were diehard veterans. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the first thing that she said towards the end is, I bet all, Alan Alda directed this one. Sure enough. That's, <laughs> it's him. Because, like, okay, this ending shot. Imagine the tables lined up in OR with Hawkeye furthest on the right. And everybody has bloody gloves, and it's that sort of scene. And this, and the camera is slowly panning left to right. Nobody's saying anything other than, um, you know, sponge retract or whatever. What you need to say for surgery. And then, miraculously, in the middle of this, Hawkeye is able to take a moment and dialogue above his patient as he's saving his life. And he looks <laughs> to no one in particular. I never thought of that. 
and makes the comment, you know, here we are in the middle of blood and death, and that child brought a moment of life into our world. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> I know I'm saying it weird, but it's from fact. And we'll take a little bit of her home with all of us. Freeze frame. Back to Oa. <laughs> Dude! Maybe you should sew up the artery. It's, it felt so right to me that I didn't even think of that. When you say it now, I'm like, oh, crap, I didn't even notice that. Because I think he literally stopped mid-stitch. I think he did. Maybe you should sew up the rest of the artery before he bleeds out. I don't know. Oh my gosh, now that you say it, it just, that, you're right. It, it panned left to right, and then it just, then just zoomed in on Al, Alan Alda and his ego. Who gave I, a little speech. I love you, Alan Alda. I love your acting, but dude, this was just a moment where it's like, wide shot, ego <laughs> shot, <laughs> freeze frame. <laughs> you know, and I never thought of it. I it have just, to think more about that. It, no, it, I, I thought it was a very meaningful episode. It had a lot of it makes you uh, it think what does message. happen to the baby. Yeah, because um, even in the show notes here on the wiki, it mentions uh, season two episode Kim, where Trapper was going to try and, and adopt the baby. And we never got far enough to get through all that paperwork, right? Because first he talked to his wife by letter and yeah. said, let's adopt. But then by the time they were ready to go through the paperwork, uh, Sister Teresa found the boy's mother and then... It was all over. It was all over. Um, but yeah, just... <laughs> Later on, though... Um, how do you deal with Honey all these Cut children? does end up taking the baby, doesn't he? Who? Honeycutt? I don't know. We'll have to keep a lookout. But yeah, yeah, I thought it was a very poignant episode to reinforce that that theme of what happens to the children. Because we see this in more than one episode. There's oh, the one, yes. There, there's, there's even the one with Radar. Oh, yeah, and he gives us teddy bear. Yeah. And there's all and there's all of the shots one where they come for shots. There's the Christmas one where, I mean, we see children a lot. What mm -hmm. happens to the children? Yeah. And there seems to be an awful lot of children in the orphanages. Yeah. You know, they can't all be bombshelled parents. No, I agree. And, and maybe parents think, oh my gosh, they're better off. And how sad would that be to be better off in an orphanage than with your parents? Yeah. I just look at your little I, beautiful baby and it breaks my heart because yeah. she's 21 months and I can't imagine. Our little Ryan. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know can you imagine no. knowing that she would be better off with someone else? That would break Making my heart. That choice? Oh, no, I couldn't. I can't either. I I would like to think that if it came down to it, I could make that choice, but I would never ever want to be in that position. No, no. So that's my prayer every night. Um, that's all I really have. That's all I have too. Okay. Me. Um, yeah, very like you say, it, it's very one track episode. Yeah. Um, some research notes. Hawkeye calls the milk in the surgical glove because Klinger does a good job of scrounging for the baby. He he takes a surgical diapers. glove, fills it with milk, and then makes it into basically a cow water that the baby can suck on and get milk. Um, yeah, he finds diapers apparently from Margaret's shirts. And pillowcases. And pillowcases. Um, 
But Hawkeye calls the Malkin surgical glove Chateau Move 51. So <laughs> this is apparently occurring in 1951, which resets the timeline backwards. That's okay. It mashes 11 seasons long. The Korean War lasted three years. <laughs> Come on, it's going to happen. Uh, Klinger wants to name the boy Scheherazade. I didn't know how to write it down, so I didn't. Yeah, Scheherazade, I think I'm saying that right, was a legendary Arabic queen and the storyteller of 1001 Nights. So that makes a lot of sense, considering uh, Klinger's Arabic heritage. Um, oh, in one scene when Klinger helps with the baby, he talks about someday becoming a father, although he said he'd get attached to a little girl he predicts that he will have a son he predicts correctly sometime after the war and after mash which we will watch Yay. he and his future wife Sun Lee will have a baby boy all right guest stars should we move on to that yeah guest stars recurring cast we had Howard Plot as Major Ted Spector William Bogert as Roger Prescott the uh, consul Elizabeth Farley as Louise Harper, the Red Cross lady. Yuki Shimoda as Chung Ho Kim. We've seen Yuki Shimoda in MASH before. I'm just going to quickly go in. What what have we seen him as? Oh, How We Danced. Uh, the Price. He was in uh, Season 7 episode, The Price. So yeah, we've seen him before. And then uncredited appearances by Kelly Nakahar, Gwen Farrell, Jennifer Davis, Joan Thompson, and Sherry Saba. We see several of them in the background. Because there's a lot of people around, like when they first bring the baby to the mess tent the first day. The production code for this episode was S617. Writer uh, credited as Jim Mulligan. Director, as we said, Alan Alda. Original air date December 31st, 1979. Hmm. Let's move on to 1980. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Uh, speaking of, Bottle Fatigue. Season 7, Episode 16, Bottle Fatigue. Uh, really the two main plots here. One is that at the beginning, everybody ends up in the O Club after a session in OR. Uh, Igor hands out bar tabs, and Hawkeye says this isn't a bar tab, this is a phone number. And he decides to jump on the uh, uh, wagon for seven days just to prove to himself that he doesn't need a drink. And we see how that goes. Hint. Not so well. Uh -huh. And then we also end up with Charles kind of jumping off the wagon. Not that he ever was on, but he drinks a lot more because he hears from his sister... That she's engaged oh! to an Italian. God forbid. An Italian. Which is better than? An Irishman. <laughs> and, yeah, Charles inadvertently? We'll say inadvertently. <laughs> Takes a lot of people off. Yes, he does. Um, but he drinks and he writes these nasty letters to Honoria and all this stuff. But in the end, uh, the thing that brings these two plots back together is they end up with um, an enemy soldier in OR who still has his pants on and happens to have a grenade in his pants 
So in OR, he pulls out the grenade, pulls the pin, and is about to, like, toss it when Hawkeye catches his hand. And, uh, everybody ends up singing a lullaby <laughs> to the enemy soldier. So just out of curiosity, because I don't know a whole lot about weaponry and yeah. things, what would have happened if he threw the grenade? Like, it would just explode in one area. It's an area of effect weapon. Uh, the minute he released the handle, which he hadn't yet. Right. And then... Let it fly. It's, basically... It doesn't explode till it hits something, though, right? No, 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 no. Oh. Uh, there are grenades that are impact grenades, but this one likely would have been just a simple uh, anti-infantry grenade. It would have been on basically a timer. Oh. So, like, it would have wound Let down, and, and then there would be a spark, which would ignite the powder inside, and that would... Explode it. Explode so it, creating a shrapnel. Okay. Yeah. Um, the lovely thing about grenades, as far as I understand it, out of that time frame, is that they were relatively unreliable. Like, you knew that you had about two seconds to throw it. Okay. But then you had anywhere from, like, two to five seconds before it went off. Ugh. And those were American-made ones. And, like, Potter points out, that was a commie. One, so one. it wasn't, you weren't sure, he said. Mm-hmm. He's so, like, I'm not, because someone said, put the pin back in, get a, then yeah. they labeled some things that would fit in there. Yeah, Winchester Colonel, said, put anything back in, and yeah. Colonel Potter said, no, that's a commie one. We need to find the original pin. Yeah, the one that it came with that we know works with that grenade. Yeah. So, you know, honest, it was interesting. You know, something about that grenade, too. Oops. Potter, <laughs> that's yeah. the headphones. You're joking me. Um, Potter calls it a commie pineapple. Pineapple grenades were during World War II, um, at least Allied, if not American, grenades because they looked like a pineapple. Like a pineapple. They they, did. they had that very distinctive, sort of, almost like tortoiseshell texture all the way around, and that's what this looked like. I don't know if North Koreans would have had that or not, but I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know for sure. That's speculation. But yeah, it's um it's interesting watching Hawkeye sober up. At first he looks great. He has all his energy. He's doing push ups. He's well, enjoying the sun. He had showered and shaved. No the push ups I think is the first well, the second sign of him dealing with not having alcohol in the system because that was at night. Oh, that was to go to sleep. He couldn't fall asleep. He said it's like there's a racetrack or there's a bowling alley in my head and he can't, he, he's just up. He's awake. He can't go to sleep. So he's doing push-ups. BJ makes a comment. I didn't anticipate being bunked up in club med, I think is yeah, what he said. Yeah, because, yeah, Winchester is also dealing with things in his way. Mm -hmm. So it was not a good place to sleep. Yeah, it just, yeah, you know. Hawkeye is up, he can't fall asleep, and Winchester stumbles in drunk and starts writing a letter to Honoria. Another one. Dear dum-dum, <laughs> I joyfully await the birth of your first child, semicolon. Now, just letting you know, Chris did not pound, drink this much. He's acting. <laughs> eight pound, three ounce salami. I don't remember what he actually said. But he needed to get a phone call home. He wanted to talk to Honoria so badly. 
that he tried calling himself, got Sparky, mm-hmm. did not make Sparky very happy, then went in and woke up Colonel Potter, who uh, said, what did he say? You do not um, sire a purebred with a hokey pokey. Yeah, with, <laughs> with uh, yeah, with, like, some, yeah, whatever it was, like, fill the pony. <laughs> He was explaining to Potter in terms Potter would understand. Potter goes, oh, yes, I understand, Winchester. Get out. In that instance, yeah, get out. <laughs> Don't ever bother me again. Yeah. So Winchester was ticking people off. Hawkeye was ticking people off. Yeah, because he goes into post-op early in the morning and says, how am I supposed to check on my patients when you're changing the sheets? And Margaret says, doctor, we change the sheets every day at 1130 He's normally passed out at 11.30 in the morning, folks. Then Shelly Long, yes, Shelly Long from Cheers, comes in and makes a proposal to him and a date. In in the mess tent, after he's going through and saying, okay, no, no, it it smells like a fox den. No, no. Can you a imagine eating while someone's telling you how awful your food smells? And, and like you point out, to be fair, Hawkeye does this all the time. But he doesn't usually have commentary. Not mm. this much. Okay, no. It, uh, a, a chicken egg. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but a brown egg. A brown egg. Oh, yeah. If you put it in a shoe under a chicken coop for seven days, that's what this smells like. Mm, yeah. Well, he that. does do it. But yeah, everybody's getting really ticked off with his commentary on everything and how much better it would be if they didn't drink in fact shelly long's character does she have a name i don't even know i'm like what's her name yes nurse menden mendenhall i don't know if it ever says but anyway yeah they're in they're in the supply closet and he's actually rude to her oh yeah Talking about how she had three glasses. And she said, normally, you know, people like it when I have three glasses when we're on a date. Mm -hmm. And he was just terrible. Well, I'm saying I can get in the mood without it. Yeah. I I mean, you know, maybe maybe you should, you know. Stop drinking. Yeah. You know, you need to get your mood out of a bottle. And that's all I'm. You know, it's one thing to stop doing something, but you can't force someone else. And dude. Dude, she came up to you. Yeah, just sit back and you know. Dude, <laughs> that's Shelly Long. You're you're your own worst enemy. It doesn't really do much for me, but I'm just. Dude, you're your own worst enemy, man. I'm saying this to Pierce, not. Yes. So, but yeah, it. You know, again, it's after this incident in OR. After Winchester has made all of these, well, rude, <laughs> rude comments um, to people like to Father Mulcahy in the mess tent, my only, uh, what is it, my only solace is that she is not marrying an Irishman. You don't say this to an Irishman. <laughs> yeah. And, and he had some very mean things to say about Italians to Klinger. Um, yeah. Think that, a little bit before you speak. Winchester. Drab skinned olive picker. Olive skin makes good kin. Mm. Olive skin makes good kin. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, all of this. And the fact that Charles gets a letter from Honorio saying that Aww. her fiance's family stepped in 
and wouldn't allow them to marry because they didn't want him marrying outside of his faith. So she wasn't good enough for them. These things together with uh, this experience in Alar where Charles could have died, uh, you know, makes him rethink it. And he sends, he f he's finally able to get at least to the, to the telegraph. telegraph office in Seoul and get a telegram out to Honoria. Yep. But he's saying, you know, my dearest sister, I am deeply sorry for the words that you will shortly receive. Please uh, attribute them to greatness of distance and narrowness of mind. mind. I was reminded that you are no longer the naive and little sister that I left behind. <laughs> you could see that he felt, you know, she loved him enough to say, yes, I will marry you. Mm. And then she wasn't good enough for him. And all this time, Winchester. <laughs> yeah, you see the big brother Winchester come out a little bit. You're right. right. Protecting his little sister. I didn't think about that. Um, and then uh, just before that, we, we see everybody in the O Club. Because... Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, everybody needs a drink after that because they. Oh, I they, love this. Yeah. And um, everybody gets a drink, and Margaret orders a uh, double scotch, and Hawkeye says, "Me too." And everybody just looks at him and goes, like, "Oh, you only had two days left." Really, Hawk? And Potter just chimes in, "Let him make his own decision." And Hawkeye says, "I admit it. I need this," and he picks it up. And then sets it back down and says, I'll come back for it when I want it. Not when I need it. Oh, that was, I thought that was very cool. No, I do too. That's, yeah. you know, oddly enough, that's one of my most memorable moments out of the show. Really? Is that, well, because, you know, like Hawkeye says when he gets the tab in the beginning of the episode, this is just the tip of the ice cube. I mean... <laughs> I drink at Rosie's. I drink in the swamp. And yeah. how many other places? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and BJ says, you'll be fine. You know, you, you, you'll you be able to kick it after you go home. And Hawkeye's like, I don't know. I've never been in a war before. How do I know that I'll be able to give it up when I go home? How do I know he I won't set up a still in my living room? does have another time, though, when he quits drinking. I don't remember if we've yeah. had it yet or if it's coming up. Mm -hmm. where it's not as easy as this time. And he doesn't wasn't able to just set it down. So, you know, it depends on where you are in your life and how badly you want something. Yeah. You know, I... Knowing the people that I've encountered who have been in service, I can understand that, yes, alcohol consumption probably goes up. Um, had a roommate that happened to um and you know my dad that happened to and just i get it, mm -hmm. it it's a pressure release it's a way to deal with something that your brain can't right you, you just it's, i don't know how they deal with it no That's, yeah I war guess. is putting a normal person in extraordinary circumstances and expecting them to deal and and training can only take you so far. Right. You, you know? still have your brain that you have to deal with in your faith and your, mm -hmm. you know, you were brought up and 
a certain way that you don't do things and now you're told that you need to or die. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it would be very challenging to be faced with as a doctor or as a soldier. Right. Or a Marine or an Airman or whatever doing this on a daily basis. I think it would be very challenging even if you so had too. a very deep faith just to maintain Especially that. Especially if you have a very deep faith. And I think that I think that's part of this is it allows you to not think about it. Right. You know, that's what they say is it numbs the the brain. Potter says that, Hawkeye said that, and but I, I get it. it is weak. Yeah, I'm I think he did. Doesn't but then I think he went back because oh, yeah. I, I think But it's nice. I don't know what to think about that situation. I I'm glad I've never had to deal with it, to be honest. Um a few things out of this episode though that uh were interesting or that I I caught let's see here what does the wiki have at three years steady drinking Hawkeye had been doing he would have been too drunk to operate <laughs> yeah yeah uh, stopping his drinking cold turkey would probably have resulted in the it DTs shakes. yeah from alcohol withdrawal as happened to major Houlihan's friend Captain Helen Whitfield in bottoms up you remember that one? yep I do she yeah just she freaks out in the mess tent, thinks that there's spiders crawling all over. Um, also, so $38.20, which Hawkeye declares isn't, uh, it, this isn't a bar tab, this is a phone number. Okay. Now, keep in mind, for those of you who weren't around during the time of the phones in, <laughs> in this age, I, I'm not, but I understand this. When... Charles calls home or tries to call home. He asks for Boston, so the city, Lawrence, the street, 8464. That was the phone number, was Boston Lawrence 8464. I know what my mom's house phone was here, and it followed the same pattern. City, street, number. So Hawkeye's bar tab was four numbers. It was a, it was a phone number. Um, at that amount, at five cents a drink, which was, was, was for the good booze, right? He would have had 684 drinks. Wow. According to this little factoid. But yeah, uh. um, when Charles calls home, it's to Boston Lawrence 8464. Yes! Massachusetts! <laughs> Boston. Is that? <laughs> Is that, you know, me, Massachusetts? Massachusetts? No! <laughs> It's vacationing in Florida for the winter. He was so frustrated because every single person said that when he said Boston. Is that a message? Yes, uh, yes. I would like to send a telegram to 30 Briarcliff Lane, Boston. Massachusetts. <laughs> yes. Massachusetts. I yeah. don't like that word. I have a problem with it. What? Massachusetts? Yes. <laughs> it's the I name of us. I just do not like it. Massachusetts, Massachusetts, yes. Massachusetts. Okay. She's crawling out of her skin and it's funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, we actually learned the, the phone number of Charles home uh, in Boston, Lawrence 8464, and then the home address. I didn't look up if those were... If that was a real place, you should do that for us, dear listener. Look go. up 30 Briarcliff Lane, Boston, <laughs> Massachusetts. See if it's like in, in a mansion-y and part of... And then in a minute, Chris will tell you how you can email us or Facebook us and let us know. Yeah. He'll do this so, from scratch. So so look that up. 
and then come back and let us know. Yeah, and we'll tell you how in just a minute. Um, and look up Vic Tanny and see when it started, because they said he was exercising like Vic Tanny. And I used to work at Vic Tanny, and I really just can't see it starting way back then. Mm. Okay. Yeah, let, let us know about these things. That would be great, too. Um, we could look them up for you, but it's more fun to give you a job. Yeah. It's interactive, you yes, see. Yes, there you right. Audience interaction. Because we've recorded this before you listen to it, so we don't get to interact with you that way. This is the closest we're going to come until we do, like, a live stream. And I don't know if that's going to happen. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I don't mind. But, um... Also, interesting, another little interesting thing that I liked was when Hawkeye let Klinger know early on in the episode that he was going to quit drinking for a week. Klinger said, oh, I'm going to have to get my broker, like Klinger has a broker, to dump my Seagram stock, which I'm also wondering if Seagram's was around. Yeah. It probably that was. That probably was. Well, that I don't know. Prohibition. I think, I, it probably was. I'm guessing it was. Okay. Let us know. So look up <laughs> when Seagram started. When Vic, uh Vic Tanny. And if thirty Briarcliff Lane, <laughs> Boston, Massachusetts is a real house. Look those up. And Let us know. The first person that gets these answers to us is the winner. <laughs> <laughs> what do they win? Doesn't An boy you? You win the fact that you are the winner. <laughs> You get an attaboy you. You get a call and out we'll on the next show. And we'll mention you on the show. There you go. <laughs> All right. On that note, guest stars recurring cast. We had Shelley Long as Nurse Mendenhall. Uh, actually, now, the reason I pointed her out, I didn't recognize her from Cheers. I didn't oh. watch that enough. She hosts one of the specials. One of the MASH specials. Really? Oh, yes. yeah, she does. Yeah, and she's walking in the mind. set, and she's like, I started an episode. It's like, oh, really? Oh. One. A whole one. And not a very big part. Good for you. <laughs> but she's standing on the lot, and it's overgrown, and there are no, yes, there's yes. nothing there. I, I've seen that. Yeah. So it's interesting. We had Jeff Maxwell reprising his roles, Igor Straminsky, David Hirokana as the Chinese soldier who tried to blow everybody up, Shari Saba as Nurse Sherry. Uncredited background appearances by Kelly Nakahara, Jennifer Davis, Joanne Thompson, Dennis Troy, and Roy Goldman, who takes over helping Hawkeye when Max Klinger has to run out and get an ether mask because during the scuffle they knocked over the anesthesia Ooh. station and knocked off the regulator on the tank. All right. Oh, you're specific. Okay. <laughs> Specificity is a good thing. Production code was S618. This was actually shot right after the last episode right so They're pretty much keeping it in order this season yeah better than any other season yeah writers thad mumford and don wilcox director burt metcalf and this originally aired january 7th 1980 Woohoo! right so you've had plenty of time to look those things up now i'm going to tell you how to get I back to us about say, the... where do they get back to us all right yes? so you can head over to our website, narclanning.com. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. Click on the podcast link. Go to the Whiskey and Mash page. There on the Whiskey and Mash page, there will be two buttons. There will be a little letter and an F, not the letter F. There's a there's an envelope yeah, like snail mail. Yeah. You click on that. That opens up uh, your email client, and it'll 
automatically do a mail to whiskeyandmash at narclaninc.com. You can email us directly here at the show and let us know what you think. Otherwise, you can click on the Facebook icon. It'll take you over to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash whiskeyandmash. There, on the page, whenever I post a new episode, I always try and post the synopsis of the episode over there on our Facebook page so that you know that a new episode has come out. On that page, you can send us a message directly or you can comment on the episode link like this one and let us know what you think. So, now that you know that, and you've looked those things up, you can go over to our Facebook page and comment right on the synopsis of this episode. I'm pointing at the microphone like it's you. <laughs> yes. Just to let you know. <laughs> and you can comment. It's a real place, or it's not a real place. You know, whatever. Or Vic... Vic Tanny. Tanny. Wouldn't have been around that time. So just put that in the comment for that episode. Um, also, over there on the website page you can find all the mp3s of our back episodes so that means that if you do the uh mp3 player thing but not the podcasting and you want to listen to back episodes you can do that go over to our website you can download the mp3s directly to your favorite mp3 player device or just stream them off of the web page depending on what you have maybe you have that nice unlimited plan from verizon or at&t or t-mobile or wherever and then you can just stream the episodes right off of the website otherwise just download it to your mp3 device and you can listen to us on the go Otherwise, you do like I do. You go over to iTunes or your favorite podcast application. You search for Whiskey Mash. You subscribe to this show because you really like listening to us. And we like that you like listening to us. And that way, every new episode that we put out gets automatically downloaded to your device. And you can listen to us that way, too. You know, like I listen to a lot of podcasts on the way to work at work when I'm doing fairly uh, thoughtless. Well, not thoughtless, but things that don't require a lot of cognitive ability. I just listen to podcasts. You can do that, too. If you really like our podcast, our episodes, if you think that we're getting better or worse, let us know. But if you think we're getting better and you'd like to help support us, the best way to do that is to uh, share our podcast with a friend, a family member, a coworker, an enemy. We don't mind. Point them over to our podcast uh, stream. Point them over to our website, to our Facebook page, wherever. And that is the best way to help support us, to help us spread the word. Because we're not going to stop with just mash we're gonna do after mash we're going to do i'm not sure what what we'll do we'll after keep going. Um, maybe mary tyler moore maybe um fraser fraser is out there we'll do something else because we we enjoy getting together with like laura you me ryan <laughs> ryan at 21 months what are we watching mash m-a-s-h it's great <laughs> uh, we're hitting her young um you know, we, we really enjoy these shows, and we want to share them with you, and we invite you in on the experience, and that's why we put these out there. And so that's why we say, help us grow our audience, because obviously any episodes we put out there are going to be out there. You know, we're not taking them down. They're going to be out there in perpetuity. But then any new ones we do, you can be a part of. You can get more people to be a part of. Because I've got to think that there are more Frasier fans than just us out there. Otherwise, it wouldn't have lasted that long. Mary Tyler Moore, it wouldn't have lasted as long as it did. And it wouldn't still be that relevant thing in society that it is. If you haven't heard of any of these shows... Then you really need to join us. <laughs> you need to go out there and at least watch them somewhere. And we would encourage you to do so. And then to go over to Facebook and let us know what you thought. Okay. In the meantime, I'm Chris. I'm Gloria. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you next week. Whiskey and mash. Have a good week, everyone. This is where the outro goes. <sighs>
Yeah, I've done that seems in a while. like I get the sad ones and <laughs> you get the happy ones. Well, I think that goes to the <laughs> fact that, that sad, happy, sad, happy. Yeah, somehow that's how they line up on the disc. You get the like heavy one, heavy one, and then a light one. Yeah, that's pretty smart on their part, but it is. Yeah. You know, maybe that's why they're out of shot order. Not so much just because that's how it fell, but because it's because like... Because they, they, they can't keep you down all the time. We're, we are just beating the emotions out of these people week after week, Bert. We can't keep doing this. We have to get Ellen Alda here this week. <laughs> Put him in clown shoes. Put him on the screen. I don't care what he does. He's got to make him laugh. Make him laugh. Make him laugh. Have a good week, everyone. Bye. <laughs>